Welcome in to another edition of Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. I am here, but not actually here because hashtag social distancing with my guy, Matt DeMarinas of the White and Blue Review. We're being responsible adults and not being in each other's presence. And we want to talk about how, well, I'll just set this up. I got I get a text from Matt this morning. Uh, from a top five list that Nick Wright of Fox Sports won, who is frankly pretty bad at his job. Um, he put jumping, out a list. Are we just the, jumping right in, or what? We're not even like talk to each other. We're just jump right in. I mean, we something. can if you want. How how are you? How's your well? <laughs> let's okay. Actually, let's go back. So you were in New York, like when shit hit the fan. I mean, I kind of feel like <laughs> my mom keeps joking with me, like you know that scene in Independence Day. Have you seen that movie? Uh, yes. Who hasn't seen it? I, first of all, I love Will Smith, so yes. Yeah, Second. I mean, some, some people don't like Independence Day, so they haven't seen it. Um, I haven't seen the new one that doesn't have Will Smith because it doesn't have Will Smith. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, the new one's trash. Um, anyway, continue. You were in New York, Independence Day, go. Yeah, so like, you know that scene in Independence Day where like the alien ships, the mother ships start like, or not the mother ships, but like the little baby ships start like owning all the landmarks, basically. And, yeah, know. they start descending upon the U.S. and blowing up like... The, yeah, the, you know everything. Yeah, the firestorm starts basically. So yeah. like, everybody that was like on that Creighton charter or whatever, or in New York for the Big East tournament, um, I haven't heard of any of them getting sick yet. So basically, we're like the Air Force, we're like Air Force One, like flying just out of reach of like the firestorm. Um, and so getting- you you got out of Dodge right before like the outbreak started. Apparently, because if you've seen the numbers since we got out of there, like it's crazy. New York yeah. is is like ground zero, <laughs> basically. Um, and uh, when you think about like you know, I'm I'm thir- I'm on day fourteen right now of getting since I got back to Omaha, which I think is the incubation period. Um, yeah, the that's the very the, long end of the incubation yeah, the period. Tail end of the incubation period. So I mean, I haven't had any symptoms yet, and. Uh, so yeah, and it feels like everybody in New York is sick. So I don't know how I don't know how I managed to avoid that. But maybe I'm like a carrier of an antibody, so maybe they should test me. Well, I mean, it would be nice if if you know testing people were that simple. Uh, but I mean, it, it uh, should be that simple. We managed to screw it up. But well, yeah. I mean, if South Korea can figure it out, no offense to South Korea, but come on. I mean, I thought we were the greatest country on earth. Yeah, we're. We are number one in confirmed cases, despite the fact that we aren't testing anyone. So that's a good sign. Yeah, that's a great sign. Um, can't <laughs> wait to see what the numbers look like when we start testing people. Mm, yeah, that's, uh, I don't, mm, yeah, that's getting too dark. <laughs> let's, let's steer back to the light. Uh, you, you brought up New York, man. I was just trying to say hi. <laughs> no, I know. No, what's funny to me, though, is I can't believe that was only two weeks ago. I know. It if, feels I mean, like... Let me a tell month you, and a half. Have you been Middle isolated week. at all, or have you been going to work and stuff? Um, so they just sent me home from work. My last day in the office was last Wednesday, so a week and a half ago. Um, but like you know, I you know my wife's here and stuff, so it's not like I'm super isolated. But mm-hmm. I had to go and get some groceries yesterday, and that was the first time I'd left my house in a week. Mm-hmm. And I didn't notice, like, I, I'm fine. Like, I'm okay. I My lifestyle really suits a quarantine, apparently. Yeah. 
because I've got the home gym in the basement. Um, I can work from home now. And then I've been playing like an old school NBA 2K16 on an Xbox 360 that I was given a couple years ago. Is that the Michael Um, Jordan one? uh, Michael Jordan is in this one. Nice. But it's not the one with Michael Jordan on the cover, I don't think. But, yeah, so basically my lifestyle of liking to hang out with my dogs and work out and watch television very highly suits a quarantine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like mine did too, but I've only left the house one time in the last 14 days, and it definitely sucks. Kind of driving you crazy a little bit? Oh, it's driving me absolutely fucking insane. I... <laughs> <laughs> I am struggling, man. I like I need something to do. Um, I know it doesn't look like I work out very often, but I did. So, like, you know, I can't go to the gym. I can't go watch a practice. I can't, like, you know, meet up with anybody and socialize. Like, it's fucking unreal. Well, that's the thing. Especially... It started to hit me around day 10. I'm just like, I was just, like, sitting in, you know, chilling in my recliner with my dogs and, like, watching a movie or whatever. And I was like, okay. I'm officially bored of doing this now. Like, I need something else. I'm not on day 10. Well, I'm about on day 10 right now. Um, I would, I've gone through... I've been going through all the Marvel movies. I haven't even done that yet, because I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm bored. I, I'm, too, I'm too bored to watch movies, Robbie. Yeah, see, I don't know what that's like. I know. I didn't either. I was like, <laughs> a, a movie was always something that could kill like a couple hours, and then it's like, all right, well, once you're done with the movie, then you either have like, you know, eat dinner, uh, work on a project, or like go watch a game or a practice, or like go to bed, and you know, like a, one movie usually was like, all right, now my day is pretty much at a point where I can complete it. Like now, I watch one movie, and I'm like, all right, I need to watch ten more movies before my day's finished. Like. What do I do? Yeah. So I'm too bored to even watch Avengers, man. I thought about it. I was like, I should just knock out Star Wars, Avengers, and then maybe by the time we'll have a cure. And I'm like, and I got I got bored before I even wanted to start watching them. And now I'm just like, I have no ambition to watch movies anymore. Yeah, I went through, uh, I got through all 22 of the first, like, inclusive, you know, the set basically from Iron Man to Endgame. The Infinity Saga. Yeah, I got through that in about a week. Yeah, so it lasts. Which is it takes you. It takes a you a week to get through it. Lot of movies. It is. I mean, you're talking because, and they're long too. Like they're all at least two hours. A lot of them are like two and a half. Mm-hmm. And Endgame is three, basically. So you're talking about fifty-ish hours of movies. Yep. Which is a lot, and I yeah. I'm, yawn, was... I'm yawning just thinking about it, dude. That's <laughs> I just don't want to do it. I went through I went through all like however many seasons of Beat Bobby Flay. You ever seen that show? No, I haven't. Do you know who Bobby Flay is? Like yeah, guy. he's the redheaded chef guy. Yeah, so like he's got this. Sh- he's got like a hundred shows, but one of his shows is like um, he has like two contestants come on and they like battle each other in a cookout. For and the winner faces him in a cook-off, and then um, that's the show, basically. It's like half an hour each each bit. 
So I've like I watched like you know twenty two seasons of that. I ran through all that, and that, uh, that's aggressive. That's an aggressive amount of of reality cooking television. I know, right? So it, it, you know what it is. It's like because it's competitive. I mean, that's I, I understand where you're going. It's it's <laughs> because it's like I need I need. That's what like my blood flows off of like competition and watching competition. So like that's the only competition. I'm I was trying to think of like what's comp- what's competitive other than sports. And yeah. I'm like, well, well, cooking shows are competitive. So, um, so I was like, all right, I'll knock out Bobby Flay. And it's like that's kind of honestly, Food Network kind of got pretty big in like <laughs> it kind of took off like around nine eleven because all the sports were gone and people like just wanted like down home you know, a good slice of Americana and like food is number one on everybody's list of things. Um, and then they made competitions out of them with like Iron Chef and all that. Iron Chef like took off back then. Um, so that's like basically everybody's like backup plan of sports is like cooking competitions. I mean, so I went straight to it. <laughs> that's something, I guess. Um, I might catch up on there's this show on MTV called The Challenge. Yeah, that I've only seen like two or three seasons of it, and I think there's like 25 of them. So I might go that route, and it's pretty entertaining. It's basically like trash reality television, but they have physical contests in it. Um, so you know, it's uh, that's something to think about as well. Okay, I'm probably not gonna think about that. Well, that's your loss. It's pretty entertaining. <clears throat> I mean, isn't that like road rules or whatever like they used to do back in the day? Uh, yeah, it's, it used to be road rules, the challenge, and then they dropped the road rules. Now it's just the challenge. Oh, so it's road rules. Uh, yeah, I've seen that crap. That's not well, right. easy on the crap. We don't have a ton of options right now. <laughs> but it's more, it's more like drama centric than it is competition centric. Uh, it, at the beginning it was. Some of the later seasons are like pretty competition centric. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah. Like they still do the like teammate squabbles and stuff like that, but you get through like two or three competitions per episode. Um, and so th- it's, there's not that much time to fill drama in. Well, let me know when you get to that point and then tell me where I should start. I mean, I'm pretty close. <coughs> um, give me just a second here. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where you can watch it, but you said it's on MTV, I'm... right? Right. But I, I think you can stream it somewhere. Um, I think you can stream it somewhere. But I, Natasha? yeah, that was Natasha. She was needed Natasha? help with something. Um, <laughs> Matt, Dean Marina, yeah. Roggy, quit hitting my computer with your tail. That's rude. Um, all right. So, well, I think we've exhausted our television options because there's not many. I told you. <laughs> All right, so the reason we're doing the podcast today, besides, you know, just to talk to each other. That's the reason we're doing the podcast, just to talk to each other. Because <laughs> Matt desperately needed an hour or so of time <laughs> building his day. My phone, like, <laughs> I got off the phone with my mom, and I hung up, and it immediately started dialing your number. And I was like, what the hell? And I just, like, I just hung it up not thinking about it, and you were just like... And then you were, you'd say, hey, did you call me for something? I go, no, my phone did. I guess it just missed hearing your voice. 
And you were like, you want a podcast? And I'm like, sure. That's, that's, well, the, origin, then, that's the origin of this session. That is. And then you sent me a text at like 825 this morning, which I'm going to tell you, I was not awake. Oh, really? Uh, no. Yeah, I've been I had, just, I had just woken up and saw that. I go, Jesus. Um, yeah, I've been waking up pretty late because I don't have to work until one. And then the gym's right here in my house. So it's like, eh, I'm not waking up that early anymore. But nice. uh, so you sent me this text and it's uh, Nick Wright of Fox Sports One. Which, as I mentioned he's... earlier, bad yeah. at his job. Bad. Um, terrible takes. But he put out a list of the top five most unstoppable moves in NBA history. Signature and... moves. Signature moves. Meaning like. Meaning, like, if you if you like took a picture of that move, like in a silhouette, you could identify the person doing it. That's what well, I think of signature moves. So the list that I'm looking at just says unstoppable moves. It doesn't say signature. No, I'm pretty sure it's a signature. That was I'm, like looking the whole... the, I'm looking at the tweet right now. The top five most unstoppable moves in NBA history. Really? Oh. According to at Get Nick Wright. Okay. I mean, I felt, it felt like he was describing signature moves based on. I mean, it's a because especially when you when you assign a person a player to the move, then it's like that's a signature. Yeah, I mean, you can argue what a signature move means or doesn't mean, but um, I mean, I don't think you really can. <laughs> okay, <laughs> a signature move is when you assign a person's name to that move, as in like everybody does step back threes, but when you say the James Harden step back three, that's his signature move. You know what I'm sure. Sure, that's fair. Um, but so his list is Kareem Skyhook, Shaq's drop step, Hakeem's dream shake. So he's real he's real big heavy right now. Yeah. LeBron's drive left right spin, which that's not a move. That's just driving to the hoop is not a move. <laughs> that's what that's when I started laughing. Like I, I almost chuckled at Shaq's drop step because that's like they I'm I mean Shaq wasn't even in the league when I was learning how to play, and they taught me drop step. So it's like, what, what's what's Shaq's drop step? Also, Shaq's drop step wasn't the move. Him being seven foot three, three hundred fifty pounds. Yeah, like it was, the, it was the amount of space he could create with the move that was the move. Like that's like saying the Hulk's signature move is the punch. It's like no, the Hulk's signature move is being the Hulk. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like it's he's a, it's a just, smash part. Bigger than everyone else. <laughs> exactly. Like a drop step for a big man isn't a signature move. It's just the move. Yeah, that's like the thing you <coughs> learn in fourth grade. It's like you're um, not close enough to the basket yet, so you got to move closer to the basket. <laughs> Here is a way in which you can do that without having to dribble a lot. Um, so number f- and then number four. Okay, number four was LeBron's drive left right spin, which, as you said, is just like a not spin. a move. That's just a yeah. that's just a thing that happens in basketball. You drive yeah. to the hoop. Uh, and then his last one was Harden step back three, which is laughable because he shoots like thirty percent on those. Yeah. Um, well, the well the part the funny the other funny part when you get to number four too is like that's not an unstoppable move if you have a guy in the gap as a charge because he spins and he trips over. First of all, his footwork on it is terrible. Yeah, he trips a lot. He trips a lot on his own move, so I feel like that's not a great move. No. And uh, if you have a guy in the gap, he's going to run him over because he's not looking. He's looking down. Yes. And it's, a, it's not it's a foul if the referee is doing his job right. Like So to, to say that's one of the top five moves in, in like NBA history, and then you got Harden's step back, which you don't have Dirk's one-legged fadeaway, which is 
like when I think of Dirk's one-legged, I know we're getting into like our replacement moves here. But like when you think of Dirk's one-legged fadeaway, that's literally an impossible shot to defend. You just gotta hope he misses it. Because he's yeah. seven foot tall and you can't block it. And he's fading away at like a 45 degree angle. Yeah. You literally have to pr- it's, 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 if, if the move is like a pray he misses shot, it's a move that you can't stop. Then that's, the, then that's on the list. Yeah. If, if the move is just literally play behind James Harden and he can't do the move, that's not an unstoppable <laughs> move. <laughs> right. Like stay on the left, stand his left hand and, you know, just like make him go to the rim. That's not. Yeah. Like, let him stand in front of you and he yeah. stopped. Yeah. And he goes, wait a second. Be- that's not ideal. <laughs> It's funny watching like some of those games where teams have really gone have literally played behind him. Yeah, where they're like, we're gonna let you play in front of us to like to the defense, and he like gets shut down. He can't figure it out. I know. It's like, dude, there's no one in front of you. <laughs> there's also how are, not, how are you not able to figure that one out? Harden's just completely bedwetting in the like all playoff series ever. Ever, like, maybe. Ever, yeah. Like. <laughs> Like, I'm surprised he doesn't have Russell Westbrook dunking in the open court as a signature move in here. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what, what about Mamu's Euro step? Like, didn't he, like, bring that into the league and now everybody and their mother does it? Like, how Ginobili, is that? Yeah, like, the Euro yeah. step, that's a huge one. Um, so, the only one on Nick Wright's list that I agree with is Kareem Skyhook. Okay. I, I definitely like, I, I like Hakeem's dream shake. So, because MJ used to do that shit too, and he was like unreal with it. So here's my only issue with the Dream Shake is there's almost too many variations of it to consider it one move. Okay. Because like, it's not like he goes fake right, fake left, back right every time. Like he does so many different things with it. Yeah, you me, can go. You can go shot fake up and under. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, see. he does a million different things. Like the Dream Shake to me is not a move. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe. I can see it. So that's my argument against the dream shake. It's kind of, again, my argument with, like, LeBron driving to the hoop. It's like, well, that's not a move. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the dream shake is closer to a move than driving to the hoop. But, again, I just think there's too many variations. Like, if you watch Hakeem Olajuwon highlights and stuff, he just does so many different things with the dream shake that I have a hard time calling that one move. It's just like a nasty deception move. I love it. It's, it's, it is. It's incredible. And it's like he's got some of the best footwork of. Yeah, that's the, the thing that makes it key. Too. It's like is it, everybody focuses on the shoulder part of it because that's oh, it's where the he's. It's all the feet. Yeah. He's he's fooling like he's fooling your eyes with his shoulders, but it's his footwork that allows him to do it. The sh- well, on the shoulder is just like, oh, that's the, I'm going to sell it a little bit at the end. The footwork yeah, is what yeah. gets him open. Exactly. That's why I'm. That's why I'm like hating on the on the LeBron drive left spin right move. It's because his footwork is trash when he does. Terrible. It. Like, he tri- he does space. The spacing is terrible. He trips over himself all the time. That's another argument against Harden's step back because he literally travels like ninety percent of the time he does it. Yes. Good God Almighty. So that's not really a move because it's not legal. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, the only one from, from Nick Wright's list that I have on my list also is Kareem Skyhook, because that is a, just pray he misses shot. Mm-hmm. He's was what, like seven, two, something like that. And, and he's got the ball all the way extended in his, in one hand, you mm-hmm. can do it with either hand. 
So the ball's like nine feet in the air, basically. Yeah, and you're you just like, you have to hope he, if it's a, he, it's pray he misses. Okay. Exactly, and he's got his body between you and the ball, so you can't get to it, and it's yeah. nine feet in the air anyway. It's a literally just, man, I really hope he doesn't make this. Yeah. And which is also why he, you know, has the most points in NBA history, also playing like forever, but you just had to pray he missed, and he didn't that much. Mm-hmm. No, totally. um, so I have that on I my think- list. Um, I was trying to think if it, if this belonged on it, but like I, I feel like Steph and Clay, they're they're like dribble sidestep when, uh, on the hard closeouts. But I don't know. So like, here's I don't know how to like throw that into a move. You know what I mean? Because it's just like them getting. Well, that is a move. The 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 pump fake sidestep is a move. Yeah. So I've I feel like, that... I feel like I feel like their their shot fake dribble sidestep is ridiculous because you have to sell out on the first fake because. <laughs> Because it's playing Steph. <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. It's two of the best three-point shooters of all time. Just um, the two best three-point shooters of all time, please. Two of the two of the best three-point shooters of all time. Two of the best three-point shooters of all time for sure. Um, um, facts. So, only. so I, I've yeah, got. Like, I so, feel like that. I feel like that's a pretty potent move because they shot fake, they dribble sidestep, and then they're right back into their into their shooting pocket and everything, and the mechanics. They just basically moved out of the way. I, it's subtle, but it's like, that's deadly. Because you have subtle, to sell out on the first one. But also, it was a move that was not considered a high-quality or high, like high-probability move before they started doing it. Exactly. Like, if you got – because that's why guys fly out on them so fast. And because if, the thought was, if you can run them off the spot, they're not going to shoot. And Clay's and like, oh, I'm just going to pump fake dribble to the side and then drain it anyway. The reason I the reason I wanted to throw that in there, and even if it's not like a signature move, is because our qualifier here is the word unstoppable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it is like literally unstoppable. Yeah, yeah, you you can't defend it because they've made you like because of what you had to do on the first shot fake, you can't defend the, the dribble sidestep pull because you're you out can't of, you're defend out of both simultaneously unless you're throwing two guys at him. Exactly, exactly. Like, like you have to throw one guy to defend the first and then one guy to defend the second, and then literally the rest of the team is open. Yeah. So maybe, like, maybe it's the shot fake that's unstoppable because they have to get you in the air to do the dribble sidestep. But, like, if you did, I'm just talking about the whole move, like the shot fake dribble sidestep. Yeah, I think that's one there, move. Is that's, there I mean, that's uns- a move. Yeah. yeah, that's their unstoppable um, move. I feel like that's a, I feel like when you look at the game today and the way they, you know, transformed that dynasty in Golden State. Like that move right there is their is a signature move of that dynasty, in my opinion. So I've got. And I feel like that belongs. I think to the I think that's one of them. I think there's another, and I, the the shot fake dribble sidestep is what I had for Clay, but for Steph, and I don't know if this is technically a move, but the, I guess the, the off the dribble, pull up three. Okay, where he just like goes straight up. Yes, where he's like just because people didn't do that before. Like literally, no. like no one did that before. Uh-uh. Not on a no one scored in that manner on a consistent basis before he started doing that. Yeah, and so not only is it his signature move, the off the dribble pull up three, especially in transition, because if he pulls up in his full speed in transition, that is on you. Just pray he misses. <laughs> right. I mean, really. And so not only is it unstoppable for him, but it literally changed the way the rest of the league played basketball. Mm-hmm. 
From a spacing standpoint, definitely. From a spacing standpoint, and they're like, oh, if we have to be able to do this just to be able to catch up, because if we're trading twos and he's shooting 30-footers in transition yeah. on threes, and he's making more of them than we are of twos, like, we lose every game. Mm-hmm. Which is basically what you saw for the, over the course of, like, three years, is when they were healthy, you had, like, a 90% loss rate against them. Yeah, for sure. And so... For Clay, I've got the pump fake dribble sidestep because I feel like he uses that more than Steph does. Definitely. And then for Steph, that off the dribble pull up three is just, you're just like, man, because if you play him too close, he just blows right by you or he passes off to somebody for a dunk. Yeah. And if you take literally one step too far back, he just drills it. Mm -hmm. And so you're just in an unwinnable position. Pretty much. So those are two of my other four. Yeah. So what are we at right now? And so I've got Kareem Skyhook. I've got the Clay pump fake dribble sidestep and the Steph uh, off the dribble three. Yeah. So but Dirk's one-legged fadeaway belongs on there too because you can't defend that. That's also on my list, Dirk's one-legged fadeaway. And then honestly, my other one goes right in that same one. It's Jordan's fadeaway. Yeah. So like I feel like you got to – I feel like you're going to have to give – you're going to have to give it to one or the other. It's either going to have to be MJ or um, Hakeem. Like, because it's the same move. You know what I mean? Both MJ or Hakeem? Yeah, but it's kind of like named after Hakeem, the dream shake or whatever. Right, but but, M- but... but MJ does it, too, for the same reasons. Well, here's, oh. my, here's my difference, though, is... It looks prettier when MJ does it. <laughs> well, A, it looks, everything looks prettier when MJ does it. That's just full stop. Right. Um... But also, Hakeem used the Dream Shake to get a lot of other stuff. Yeah. So to is, me, yeah. Jordan used the Dream Shake almost exclusively to get into the fadeaway. That's fair. And so to me, the Dream Shake is just kind of part of Hakeem's post repertoire, whereas for Jordan, he was doing it to get to the fadeaway. So MJ's fadeaway is your fifth one then? Yeah. So I've got MJ's fadeaway, Dirk's fadeaway, yeah. Steph Curry play, uh, pull up. Clay Thompson dribble sidestep, shot fake, fake dribble sidestep, and Kareem Skyhook. Yeah. Gosh, man. What am I missing? Well, the one I was going to use, and it really sucks to not include MJ on there because it's such a beautiful move, but like, I feel like it's not – man, it's tough because we're using the word unstoppable here, aren't we? So We're using the word unstoppable, and we're qualifying that with – by unstoppable, we mean there's nothing you can do. You just pray he misses. Yeah. Which that was really the case with the both the Dirk and Jordan fadeaways. Mm-hmm. I just feel like we're doing. I just feel like we're doing a disservice if we don't include AI's crossover because or or yeah. call it if you want to call it Hardaway's crossover, I'm fine with that too. Like, but you know, either Hardaway or Iverson, whoever you want to attribute it to, the crossover move. I feel like is a big part of Steph's initial weaponization of the three-point shot because he's so good with the handle that sure that you can't that's hard to hit it's hard to keep him in front of you first of all because of that because he's so deceptive with the ball and then when you add the unlimited range to it it's like you have no prayer of stop you have no prayer of defending that guy so I feel like the crossover whether you want to give it to AI or Tim Hardaway so I'm gonna give it to AI because he was like five foot ten and led the league in scoring. Yeah, super quick with it, right? Well, and like 
how else do you like it's not like he was a great shooter so i mean he, yeah. he had his moments where he shot the ball well but he was kind of a streaky volume shooter he was definitely a volume shooter yeah be able to get that many shots off he had to have an unstoppable move which was the crossover mm-hmm. um that to me has to be in there i think because i think there's a lot of you i just i'm trying to think of like what you see in today's game um you know footwork uh the dribble uh the three-point shot like so i think the hakeem dream shake um from a footwork standpoint um Dirk's fadeaway from a three-point standpoint, and the three-point shots, the variations of the dribble sidestep versus the pull-up that we talked about, those are all like, those will all become the modern-day unstoppable moves. Yes. Kareem's is just the number one most unstoppable move because no one else is, first of all, he's the only one who did it. Yeah, he's the only one that consistently figured out how to do it. And no one and no one has done it since or before. And then when you think about the fact that he's the all-time leading scorer in NBA history with that move, yeah, largely on that shot. Yeah, that to me doesn't get removed by, from number one until you know, until someone like if you know if Steph like becomes the all-time leading scorer with with his move. You know what I mean? Sure. So you've got the AI crossover. You mentioned earlier the Manu Ginobili Euro step, which I think is a worthy inclusion for sure. Um, so which two do we kick out? Um, I feel like it has to be one of the fadeaways. Okay. So which well, one was more unstoppable? Well, I think Dirks was because he was so tall. He was so tall. And also, here's my, I agree that it's Dirks that has to stay. My other argument with Jordan is part of the reason his fadeaway was so difficult to defend is because he could hurt you in so many other ways yeah so the fact that you had to make sure he wasn't going to go by you you really couldn't cheat on the fadeaway mm-hmm. whereas Dirk that was kind of a lot of what it was <laughs> like a lot of, like sure a lot of what he was besides being seven foot tall was that fadeaway yeah um, and it allowed him to play until he was so I say we keep the Dirk fadeaway and you know, R.I.P. to Jordan's fadeaway, which it's hard to not put Jordan on this list, but yeah, he's almost too good at too many things. No, that's, that's, say, that, that's why you say good. it's this one move is what got him there. For sure. And so we're taking out one more move, right? Yeah, so let's put in the AI crossover for the, uh, for the Jordan fadeaway. Yeah. And then... I figure one of the either the dribble sidestep or the pull up three, and I'm leaning towards pull up three because it's less of an actual move. Oh, I definitely was too. I was I, I thought we were gonna have an argument over it because it was Steph, but I definitely think Clay's dribble sidestep is more of a move than the, than the pull up three. More of an Not, actual move. Yeah. Plus, I think we can assign that more to Clay. Yes, because he does it more than anybody. Versus, like, everyone tries to do what Steph does. He just, they just don't do Ow, it. But Steph did really start that. I agree. But I think it's people like, It has know. become much more ubiquitous. Yeah, it's the same thing with the fadeaway move. Like, MJ's fadeaway. Everybody, yeah. like, T-Mac. Kobe, Kobe tried to copy it. T-Mac tried Vince, to copy it. Like, LeBron all those tries to copy it. Yeah, all those dudes. Wait to tries to copy it. Right. I feel like once it gets into the mainstream, and it gets to be, like, you get to see people trying to, like, copy it or do their own variations of it, then... We're talking something different, like, but I don't see many people doing the dribble sidestep three still. Like, 
Creighton practices it, but not many people can do it to the degree that. Yeah, because it's, it's so basically Clay's hard to regather yourself Clay's and be on. Yeah, it's, it's his number one scoring move. Like <laughs> that's how he gets. I would say eighty percent of his points were off that move. Um, I wouldn't say eighty percent. I think like half of his points just come from being able to get his three point shot off quicker than like anyone not named Ray Allen. That's fair, but what's he known for? Not dribbling, right? Yes. Yeah, so, like, the move is just, like, it's one and go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm in my spot now. <laughs> the And I think the reason – here's the other reason I think you have to include Clay on this over Steph, even though everyone knows Steph is, like, one of my all-time – like, I mean, he's literally my favorite player of all time. We've both kicked our all-time favorite players out of this list, by the way. <laughs> yes, and I've kicked out my first and second all-time favorite players. <laughs> Same. Same. Um, just in a different order. Um, Clay has done things that Steph has not in terms of scoring explosion. Yeah. And I think that has to be considered because when Clay is hot, and that includes a lot of this dribble side step, step stuff, he gets hotter than anyone on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think historically speaking, yes, I think, Steph probably idles a little higher than Clay does. Mm-hmm. But when Clay like puts down the throttle and opens it up, nobody is hot, nobody gets hotter than Clay. Like I call it Clay Supernova. Clay Supernova is like nobody ever has in the history of basketball. <laughs> there is no off button for that. It's just like yes. it, engulfs, it engulfs whatever it touches, and then when it's tired, it stops. He scored thirty-seven points in a quarter. Yeah, in yeah. a quarter. And when I think of like. The, the one lasting memory I have of their 73-win team or whatever, the one thing that constantly sticks out in my brain about that team when I just like think back about that season um, is Clay's uh, Game 6 performance in Oklahoma City. Sure, yeah. Like, I, that's the one memory where I'm like, it's the first thing when I'm like, what do you remember about the 73 Warriors or the 73-win Warriors? I'm like, Clay, Game 6. Like that's, You know what mine is? Mine is the Steph pull-up from – 40 feet over Roberson against OKC in February. Yeah, that one's right. That one's second because that one was just disgusting. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> because but you, know he can. Thought, you know what I've thought about because that? Because he more can. And more, more and more when I've, when I've, as I've watched it um, through the years, like what I've thought about that shot more and more and just watching the game the way it's evolved, it's like, why wouldn't you shoot that? Yeah. Like, when you think about time and the score, um, that's there was the like. That, there's and like point three left when it goes through, so you're talking about maybe one more dribble he gets off. Yeah, but that was and, and the ball's already in Steph's hands and he has space and he's already across half court. It's like why wouldn't you just pull? <laughs> yeah, and you that's know what I'm saying I mean, like that to me that to me made, made a ton of sense because the pull up we've already agreed is his number one is his number one move. Yes, his number one he's, weapon. He's got the ball going downhill in a one on one matchup. He's not being doubled or trapped. And the guy and took one too many steps back. Yeah, and there's and there's time taken away. But that's like that's going up. And he's already made eleven threes on the day. Yeah. So like as I've watched it more and more over the years, I'm less surprised that he shot it than I was the first time he shot it. I was like, holy crap, he actually pulled that and made it. I wasn't necessarily like, surprised that he shot it because I just watched so much of that team that year that by February I was like, Man, I it was more like I really hope he pulls this and then I was <laughs> just so happy that he did. Yeah. It was just nasty. And, but yeah, but, but Clay's game six is the first thing that. Yes. Sorry, it's sorry that it's, if OKC fans are listening, that it happened to you both times, but 
I am really wow. big in Oklahoma. <laughs> the first thing I think of when I think of the 73 win Warriors is not like three to one or Steph getting hurt or any of that crap. Like it's, uh, it's clay game six against OKC little tangent here. And I know I'm obviously a huge clay Steph Homer. So this probably doesn't mean that much coming for me, but I just don't think people appreciate, and maybe they're starting to now in the moment, obviously they lose the championship. They blow the three, one lead. So that's the story. But I don't think, I mean, you understand how good this this Milwaukee team was before they, you know, the season got put on hiatus. Yeah. And they weren't, I mean, they had already lost nine games this year or 11 or whatever then. Like, I mean, they were in a place where they had an all-time great scoring margin and still were not even close to being on pace to doing what the Warriors did. No. And, I mean, the Warriors were 25-0 and 0 with the interim coach, weren't they? Yeah, they were twenty five and zero with Luke Walton. That's what I'm saying. Like, think about think about that. Like, there was a major. They literally have gotten Luke Walton two different head coaching jobs because of that. <laughs> no joke. That's no joke. And I mean, I, I, that's that to me is crazy because like you shouldn't be able to make history with that kind of turmoil. You know what I'm saying? Like, there should be some kind of an adjustment period that you have. Especially to deal considering with Steve Kerr's a really good head coach. It's not like they had yes. some scrub. Excellent on the whiteboard, great with matchups. Like, yeah, that dude is a no. That dude's got some teeth to him for sure. And, and they went twenty-five and zero without him. I just, I just don't think people. And I said this in the moment because there was this conversation of, okay, what's more impressive, winning seventy-three win, seventy-three games, or winning the title? And I, I remember saying in the moment to people, listen, they already have the one championship. Okay, so that's. That's something. And also, a team wins a title every year. And so, to win 73 games, that's something that literally may never be done again. Mm, maybe. And so, I'm not saying one's more important than the other, but having already having a title in the bag, I really wanted them to go for the 73 wins. Obviously, if you can do both in the same season, that's ideal, like the Bulls did with the 72 and 10. But... In the moment, I wanted them to go for 73, even if it cost them the title, because to me, the way how good they were in the regular season deserved some sort of all-time accolade. Yeah, maybe. Now, if I don't, I don't, Steph I don't, doesn't slip on DeMontis DeJunis's sweat or whatever against Houston, and like it's a whole different thing. But right. I just think... Uh... I mean, I spent so much time, like, arguing against the historical significance of that team um, that I feel like I'm contradicting myself right now. But, you know, they, they could have been the greatest team of all time, but I just don't think I can – I don't think you can do that when you haven't when you didn't win the title. Like, No, I'm not I, saying I, you can call them the greatest team of all time. I, I'm not saying feel, that by any means. Okay, so I feel the same way about college teams that are, like, you know, really good and they lose once in the tournament, and it's like it was just a bad day, but – that was the they knew it was the it was a do or die scenario and they lost like yeah no i'm not saying they're the best team of all time that that to me still goes to the 72 and 10 uh the 72 and 10 bulls yeah my point is in a vacuum winning 73 games in a regular season is harder than winning a title in a vacuum yeah well that's because well i mean clearly 
A, you're talking more, about more teams. More teams have won titles than have won 73 games. Well, that's that's exactly my point. Winning yeah. 73 games has literally happened once. Right. Every year, someone wins a title. Every year, someone has to win a title. Yeah. There are bad teams that have won titles. The reason I give it. The reason I like. I still won't. So I won't move the Bulls off that pedestal because we're talking about 73 because the Bulls won 72. You know sure, what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. So like the, the the finish line was created by the historical mark landmark itself, and then like titles are just you know what you got to do to win a title already. Exactly. Yeah. And and again, I have I have no issue with the Bulls being number one on the all time list in terms of greatest teams ever. Mm-hmm. My point is just in that season, I I was rooting for seventy three wins more than I was rooting for the title. Really? Because to me, so there wasn't any there wasn't anything empty at the end of it for you. I was disappointed about not winning the title in its own right, yeah. but winning the 73 games actually gave comfort to me in that moment. I just think there's something, you know, it, it's, I think it's cool witnessing history. As a sports fan, I don't really get, like, all hung up on who makes it. I think if you make history, you make history, and that's kind of cool. So to me, the fact that the Patriots went 18-0 and and lost in the Super Bowl and had so many people rooting against them at the same time, it's like, I don't get it. You know what I mean? And then the, yeah, I was war- the Warriors, the Patriots the, Warriors is the, the Warriors is the same thing. Like the Warriors won 73 games um, and we're on pace to be the greatest, have the greatest basketball season in, you know, any level of basketball. And there were so many moving parts against them. Like people rooting for OKC to finish them off down three, one, uh, you know, yeah. Steph not being a hundred percent Draymond getting Draymond, suspended. Yeah. Which was bogus. Like, you know, the it fact makes... that Harrison Barnes couldn't throw a basketball into the ocean the last four games of that series. <laughs> right. It's just like I will so hate Harrison things. Barnes forever for that, just for the record. <laughs> I hear he's a very nice man. I don't care. I hate him. Yeah, I just I just can't get over the fact that, that so many people were rooting against that to happen. It's like, why? Don't you want to witness greatness? Like well, and the and other to, thing... and, to me, and to me, because of it, there's an empty feeling at the end of it. It's like the Warriors, the way they won seventy three, I thought was more impressive than the way the Bulls won seventy two. Sure, but not, but not finishing that job for me is huge. Like you, you won because to me, you won seventy three games that are historical only in a certain type of context, and that's the regular season only. You yeah, and I agree with that, and that's why they're not the best team of all time in the Bulls. And, and it's and it's the same thing with the Patriots. The Patriots won more games than the Dolphins, started undefeated at all this thing, but they didn't win the one game that everybody Matters wants the to most. win. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, so it's like to me that one is empty too. Like. And, I, and, I, and it sucks because they were right there on the doorstep of it. They were both teams were literally one win away from cementing themselves as like the undisputed the greatest one, team of all time, greatest team of all. Yeah. And they didn't. And they fell short. So, so I agree. That's that like, damn. Emptier. It's, it's emptier than it would have been, obviously, if you finish off the, the title for the Warriors. But I still enjoy looking back at that 73 win season and just being like, that's the best regular season team we've ever seen. That, to me, is the highest level of basketball I've seen on a consistent basis ever. Oh, yeah. And I just enjoyed that so much, it just, it doesn't lose meaning for me. Now, it would have added meaning if they win the title, sure. But it doesn't lose meaning in its in the accomplishment itself. I got you. Um, we got off track a little bit there because I love talking about the 73-1 Warriors. But, uh, well, I think we, we completed our list. So. Yeah, so we've got Kareem. We've got... Uh, Manu's Euro. We've got AI's crossover. We've got Dirk's fadeaway. And we've got 
uh, Stat- or plays, shot, fake, side dribble. Yeah. Those are our five. You feel good about that? I feel pretty good about that. Are we missing anything or anything that deserves an honorable mention? I think we already mentioned it. Um, I mean, we've got the Steph pull-up and the Jordan fadeaway are kind of our honorable mentions right here. Yeah. You know what I think, like, one that always stands out to me is uh, Magic's uh, kind of like when he's in transition and he kind of, like, manipulates the ball a little bit and throws a no-look pass. That, to me, is pretty dirty. And I always, I, I always associate that move with Magic, so... See, and that's an interesting one because that that move it's not a scoring move in and of itself. So that's interesting. Right. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's a really interesting cuz I didn't even really consider like passing moves. <laughs> For sure. Cuz then you could do Steve Nash's like behind the back or whatever like. You could do Steve Nash's, you could do I mean a lot of the stuff that I mean, it's hard to pick one, but like the all the stuff that like White chocolate, Jason Williams did. Right, the elbow. Um, like the stuff where he'd like fake it behind the back and then go in front of him. Uh, all that stuff was pretty filthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we're missing. I know like some old heads are probably going to be like, well, Mikhail's footwork in the post and whatever. Okay, sure. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> If you really, if you really want to, you know, if you really want to be that guy, you can. Robbie's not. Robbie's not here for that post move nonsense. Listen, I like post moves, but a I lot. Think, I don't of, think you. I don't think you do. I don't think you like post players, post moves. That's not any, true. Any, any, I don't think you like anything near the basket that isn't facing it, aka a dunk or a layup. That's not true. The Kareem skyhook is the one thing we didn't even like. Was not even in question. Yeah, but he's facing the basket though. Uh, kind of. He's like sideways. He's got his shoulders. He's looking at it. Well, <laughs> at some point, everybody looks at it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but the move that we the move the moves that we disqualified are moves that have happen with back to the basket, basically. I mean, Dirk starts with his back to the basket before he fades away. Mm, kind of. That's fair. He does. But most of the move, but the unstoppable part of the move is not with it, back to the basket, though. Well, I mean, the unstoppable part of any move isn't with your back to the basket. Well, I mean, eventually wait. you have to turn around and shoot the ball. Well, the unsolvable part of James Harden's move is moving to the other basket. So, <laughs> well, and I would again that we argued that it was in no way unstoppable. <laughs> right. <laughs> the best way to stop it is to let him shoot it because he's at like thirty percent on step back threes. <laughs> um, I don't know. Is there? I don't think there's anything else we're missing. I feel like we pretty well. Yeah. I, think I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure there is, just because we're going off the top of our heads. But there's I nothing mean, that I can think of right now that's like all oh, a glaring omission. Because, like, I keep thinking that guys like some of the more uniquely skilled players or uniquely skilled scorers. Obviously, we covered Jordan. Um, by covering Jordan, you basically cover all of Kobe's moves because he just took them all. Basically, um, you know, we got Kareem. Carl Malone was just the recipient of like the easiest pick and roll and give and goes of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really feel like there's a signature move there. Again, we disqualified LeBron because a lot of his scoring just comes off of his physical giftedness. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I don't really remember a signature Larry Bird move. 
I yeah. did a lot of different things really well and had a crazy eye skill set, but I don't think of him in like one move being intertwined. Agreed. Same thing with like Pete Maravich, who was obviously a bigger scorer in college than he was in the pros, but again, there's not like one thing that I think, oh, this is what Pete Maravich did that was so unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, we, I think we've done it. Honestly. I feel pretty good about covering our bases there. I don't think we, I don't think there's any glaring omissions. I agree. Well, and so if, that and is if there, our, and if, then if there is, we're going to get embarrassed pretty badly because yeah, I feel like we've covered it. I do too. I feel like we were pretty thorough and I'm sure somebody's going to be like, you know, there's um, this guy that listens to 1620, the amazing Daniel. Every time uh-huh. that we listen to, or every time we get into a quarterback discussion, I always omit Ben Roethlisberger because I don't like him and I don't think he's that good. And uh-huh. I always get something on Twitter from amazing Daniel. Be like, what about that Ben Roethlisberger? And I'm like, what we've about- been over this. I don't like Ben Roethlisberger. I will always leave him out. What about Ben Roethlisberger though? Whatever, like, whenever we talk about, like, great modern QBs, whether it's, like, I'll always throw Phillip Rivers in there, even though he doesn't have any Super Bowls, above Ben Roethlisberger, just because I like him more. Oh. Um, yeah, I see where you're going wrong. I just don't like Ben Roethlisberger as, like, a human being or a quarterback, so. No, I think that's fair. That's and, and so it's just, without fail, every time quarterbacks get brought up, I always get a tweet from Amazing Daniel saying, what about Ben Roethlisberger? Um, and, like, he makes some pretty reasonable arguments, and my argument back is always just, I don't like Ben Roethlisberger. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure we'll get some of those. Yeah. Um, and if you want to argue with us, you're more than welcome to. Uh, his, your Twitter's what, at MJDMarinas, correct? Yeah. Yep, all overcase. And mine is at RALula. You can also find me on Instagram. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. And you can find Matt's work on whiteandbluereview.com. And you can also subscribe. Are you on the Blue Jay Bite feed now on podcasts? Um, I think the Blue Jay Beat and the Blue Jay Bites are on iTunes. Blue Jay Bites hasn't, we haven't had a podcast on that one for a while, though. Okay, so go check out Blue Jay Beat and Blue Jay Bites uh, on, the, uh, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Matt does a lot of those. He also writes a lot of great stuff on whiteandbluereview.com. Make sure you go check that out. Matt, anything else before we go? Uh, No, man. Just stay safe. Stay safe out there. Quarantine yourselves like Matt and I have done. I'm (laughs) doing so a lot more, uh, not effectively, but with a lot less uh, seeming angst than you are right now. Mm -hmm. I think I'm enjoying my quarantine more than most people are. You're in the early stages of it, though. I am, but I really feel like this is my lifestyle. I'm telling you, it gets to a point where you, you get a little stir crazy. It's going to happen. Well, if I start losing my mind, I'll let you know, and, and we'll maybe do another another podcast about how you were right and I was wrong. Um, that, that's usually what the podcast is, right? Yeah, well, us, just dunking, <laughs> us just dunking on each other, whoever's right at the moment. Yeah. All right, this has been Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you like to use. I'm on most if not all of them and uh until next time matt thank you so much for your time always a pleasure sir and uh we will talk to you again soon